Should Utah follow Colorado to the Big 12 if the Buffs bolt? Also, a four-star wide receiver announced he's going to be visiting Utah for the Florida game, and Utah softball is headed to the Women's College World Series for the first time in nearly 30 years. All that and more on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Thank you for making Lockdown Newts your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. If this is your first time listening to our show, make sure you guys like, subscribe. You can also hit us up in the comments. We'd love to interact with you guys there or on social media. You can follow our show at Lockdown Newts or my personal handle at JT Wistersill. On today's show, we got a lot to dive into for a Monday kind of football or school offseason show and it's not completely offseason obviously because of what utah softball just did we'll touch on that at the very end of the show also talk about a four-star receiver who's going to be visiting the utes during the florida game on august 31st but the very first thing we have got to talk about is more conference realignment slash media right media rights potential news because they kind of go coincide right now right the outcome of the media rights deal or what it's going to be is going to probably affect conference realignment and because it's still dragging on when Gosh, I mean, not to drag myself, but I think I said back in March, I was like, oh, yeah, this will all be done in March. And then April, oh, this will all be done in April. Like, I, I've done making predictions. I think I said it this sometime in this summer. Now I don't even feel good about that anymore. And I'm not the only one who, who's just still kind of skeptical and uncertain on things because as Brett McMurphy of Action Sports Network reported, Colorado AD Rick George on the Buffs future, as he told Brian Howell, 33, who's a beat writer for Colorado the buffs up uh, anyways we're going to be members of the pac-12 we're proud members of the pac-12 and we've got to see where our media rights deal land and where our conference goes and goes in a perfect world um we'd in a, oh, excuse me where our conference goal goes in a perfect world we'd love to be in the pac-12 but we also have to do what's right for colorado at the end of the day we'll evaluate things as we move forward it's a very politically correct answer what everyone's going to say right but there's also some things he didn't have to say he could have been look we could have done what like mark harlan did right tweeting out like oh this is um, I don't even remember exactly what the language of Mark Harlan's tweet was off the top of my head now, but basically dismissing reports about the Pac-12 disbanding. But this is kind of the first time, at least I can remember, we've heard an AD, like especially someone like a Rick George, who could, could be in Colorado, could be very involved in the future of the conference. Obviously, they've been such a non-factor in football for so long. But now with how with Deion Sanders and just how prevalent they're going to be in media rights discussions, just because at least for the next three to four years, you can get Deion Sanders on your television. And that has a lot of value to me. So it makes sense to me that they are trying to leverage that a little bit, at least because these deals seem to be going for like that year range which is how long i expect beyond to be at colorado look maybe he could get out of there in three years i don't see how he's got out of there in two years i just don't see how you turn this thing around in two years and then then another job that's maybe more desirable for him were to become open but um either way i just think it's very interesting the language of it once again that he says like in a perfect world we'd love to be in the pac-12 but we have to do what's right for colorado at the end of the day so it does show like at least they're open to me if i'm a big 12 person i'm like oh they're at least open to hearing a pitch because that is what it sounds like right like that they're they want to be in the pac-12 they hope to be in the pac-12 but they also know like, hey, we got to do what's best for our school, which is exactly what Utah should do, too. And that's why I raised the question. Should Utah follow Colorado to the Big 12 if they go there? And my answer to that would be no, because I believe the best thing right now for Utah and any school in the Pac-12 can do, or and I'd even say this about the Big 12, if it was Big 12 schools considering jumping over to the Pac-12, I believe it's better to set, set yourself up for long-term 
success in college football rather than short term. And what I mean by that is, look, maybe the Big 12 will end up with more money in the media rights deal. That that seems like the most op- a likely option, right? I still don't think it's going to be like astronomically more like it's not going to be like how much more the Big Ten and um, all the other major ones are going to end up making when all this stuff is ends up getting done, right? Like, but it's still going to be probably more than the Pac-12 is going to making. So you probably would make a little bit more money in the Big 12 just based on what we expect the media rights deals to come out, at least at this point. But once again, I'm more into setting yourself up for the long-term success because I think the best thing for Utah and any college football program can do is try to set themselves up for the future because what are we going to see in the future? I believe that's too super conference. I really do see we'll see some version of the Big Ten and SEC take a couple of the extra ACC, Pac-12, and uh, Big Ten or ACC, Pac-12, and Big 12 schools with them. And that's what's going to end up happening is they're going to grab some of these schools in and then the rest of them are kind of going to be left out and we're going to have like 225 super conferences that are going to be vying for their own version as they're going to separate from the NCAA. That's something that's been rumored for a while. And I, I just feel like it's going to happen because I do feel like the conference moves in realignment. These schools are going to see how it's going to work, but I think adding USC and UCLA overall for the Big Ten is going to be success. Adding Oklahoma and Texas is going to be success for those schools and for their comp and for the SEC too. So I believe both. If I'm a college right now, my goal is okay. How can I eventually get in and get a part of that? Because that's what I just think is best. I wish that we were in a world where the Pac-12 is for the next like 10 years for sure going to stay together. I liked when we had the five power five conferences and that was it. Everyone was at where, where they were at. Like, that's just what I grew up on. That's what I want to be in, but we don't live in that world anymore. Texas and Oklahoma moving the sec forever changed that. And that's why I do believe we are eventually heading on a track that is going to lead to just those two super conferences. So, I believe every school should want to be involved in the super conferences, and I believe you, you should be trying to set yourselves up best for that success. And basically then, how do you make yourself most attractive to the Big Ten or the SEC in, in that scenario? Well, I believe it's to win conference championships and continue just to win games in general. And I do think Utah has a better chance of doing that right now in the Pac-12 than they do in the Big 12. And I think some of you guys might be like, well, well why would that be? And I would say it's not because I think the Pac-12 is weaker than the Big 12 or anything like that. I just think it's really hard to change conferences and have the same success against a brand new opponent also, you talk about the wear the wear downs of travel schedule and everything like that. Like some of those late season road games, if your team is really beat up, like just the morale might be down a little bit if you have to go make a road play a road game that long. Like that's something that's going to be an issue eventually. Like I could totally see like UCLA is rolling one season and then they got a, like a long road trip out to a Maryland team like they're way better than and Maryland's going to beat them just because that's a long way away from home. Teams get tired the later in the season you go, especially that long of a plane ride. No one wants to do that when you got a game and everything to prepare for upcoming like that. Just it takes a toll on a team. So that's where I do think if Utah is then traveling like out to West Virginia and some of those places like that, I just I just think that's more of a toll. And look, I think Utah would do better than the Big 12 right now than like a BYU is going to do because they're at different positions as programs, right? Utah coming off all the success, BYU coming off a down year. I just feel like Utah would be set up better for success than let's say the Cougars are, but I just think it's really hard to go into a new conference in, in a year like that and be able to have that success really quickly. Like that's just something that isn't really common to me as you, and look, this is uncharted waters, right? We haven't seen schools and go and make these more lateral moves right to conferences because that is what a Utah to the Big 12 would be. They're already another power five conference. They're making the lateral move. But for example, the one I'm really interested to see is USC going to the Big Ten. USC can be a top four Big Ten team to me like right away, just in terms of program and where they're at. Like it should be Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and USC right away. And Wisconsin, a few of the other ones, Iowa, maybe if they get to get good again, that, that could be hard because you have to score points in order to do that in today's college football world. <laughs> but either way, like it just it takes time to get up to that level. That's where Texas and Oklahoma, it's, it's going to take some time to me before they're vying for SEC championships. And maybe they'll get a recruiting boost, they think, from going to the SEC. I'm not 100% sure. And that's the other thing, too. I just don't feel like like Utah's already recruits. Would they recruit maybe a little bit better if they 
were in the Big 12, maybe, but I just I feel like then you might lose some of that. Uh, California, the footprint you have there, because some of those guys might be like, man, I kind of want to stay and play in the Pac-12 schools. But I mean, that might not be the case either, because some of those guys might be like, well, that's the reason they're still going to go to USC because they want to be on the big stage. But either way, like I said, I just I feel like they're more successful set up to be successful in the Pac-12. Another thing that's really important to me is you just know the tendencies of these coaches and so many of these programs, and you know these teams, and you've been playing against a lot of the same players. You throw that all out, basically, when you go and take on a Big 12 team, these Big 12 teams like that. Like, yes, there's turnover in college football, right? Like, this year, they'll face uh, Kenny Dillingham for the first time, for example, at Arizona State. Like, he might do some things things differently, but that's the only one. Like, yes, last year was rare because you had Lincoln Riley in his first season, and I can't believe I'm blanking on the the coach of Oregon right now who we've talked about and Dan Lanning um, numerous times on the show, but like that was rare when you have two major coaches like that. But think about all the other coaches are common guys. So you know what kind of system you're getting. You've defended it before you've seen in game, you know, what kind of adjustments, things like that. They tri- typically try to make, you don't get that same sense in when you go to play in the big 12, because you're learning all that stuff new. So there's just a lot of new, it's just hard to, be at your best when you're experiencing new stuff. It takes time, just like it took time for Utah to get up to level in the Pac-12. And once again, it's more of a lateral move. So I think it would be a lot shorter than it took them to go from the Mountain West to Pac-12 prominence. But it, it's still, it's something that just takes time. So I just feel like Utah's best bet is even if Colorado were to leave, that's that's fine. Buffs can go do whatever they want. Utah's best bet to me is to stay in the Pac-12, continue to vie for and try and win conference championships. So that way, whenever the media rights deals are up, I do think that Utah will be able to have boosted their brand a little bit. If they could have a little bit of a Pac-12 dynasty where they've won, maybe let's say they could get it up to even like maybe six, uh, six is a lot. Um, let's go five championships in the last like, seven to eight years like that i like that one let's go five championships in the last like eight years like that is really attractive to me if i'm a team that's looking to add a school it's like hey utah's got a good fan base like they continue to be really good and the look yes there are certain markets and teams you see the california market all those things that sell games what also sells games for tv markets is good opponents taking on good opponents that's something that i think utah could provide one of these marquee power comp super conferences is they can bring in a brand of one of the teams that's been consistently ranked in the top 10 of college football. So you're going to consistently have these big money games where it's like, you're going to have a team where you're going to have a top 10 matchup, which adds a lot of value. Yes. The Salt Lake brand and Utah brand doesn't carry the same as the California in terms of like the meet that media area. But at the end of the day, when the, there's a lot of college football fans out there, right? I mean, all you guys are listening to this podcast who are just going to be channel surfing and then they're going to land on this game and be like, oh man, this is a top 15 matchup or they're going to schedule their day. Like, man, I want to see those two teams play each other because those are two really good teams. That's where you talk and add value to me. And that's why I think it's best for them to stay in the Pac-12, turn themselves into, just or not turn themselves into, just continue to win, continue to find that success. And that way you set yourself up for future success and to be appealing to the super conferences. Cause I just don't think it's ma- worth making a lateral move and putting, I don't, why would you break a good thing? If it's, it's a good thing to me, that's where I just wouldn't mess it up. If I'm Utah, especially when you could be setting yourselves up for what's going to be the future of college football once again. So it's going to be interesting to monitor and watch and see how it all plays out. Something else is going to be really interesting to see is uh, what ends up happening for Utah as they're in the running for Jason Robinson, who has made Utah one of his first four first official visits, first three. We're going to talk about him in just one second. But first, got to talk to you guys about our friends at Built Bar. Looking for a delicious snack, but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. You got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, then I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so, so amazing. You won't think they're good for you, but you have got to try this. 
What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they are all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably great flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it. These bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is they are healthy, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to just go to Built.com. You can still go to Built.com, of course. they got a great selection for you. But you can also head to your local Smith's or Sam's Club to grab your box of Built Bars today. So once again, head over to your local Smith's or Sam's Club and grab your box of tasty and healthy Built Bars. All right, come back into this one. Let's talk a little bit about some recruiting. That's kind of all the rage right now, for at least as related to college football, since the transfer portal has not been as exciting as of late. I mean, look, Utah got Pittman, of course, a little bit ago, landed Landon King. But, I mean, last week we're coming off landed Isaac Wilson. Like, that's where the excitement is right now in recruiting, so we got to continue to talk about it. And Wilson, obviously, a four-star. Utah could be on the cusp of landing another four-star as Jason Robinson, a four-star receiver in the 2024 class, makes Utah one of his first four official visits. This was put out by Greg Biggins, a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports, who said that wide California wide receiver or Long Beach probably high school receiver, who's 5'11", 165, Jason Robinson is locked in his first three official visits. He's going to go to Syracuse, Cal. Those are both in June. And then he also locked in Utah on August 31st. We're going to talk about why that date's important in a second. But first, let's talk about the player that's going to be coming up. So when you talk about J- Jason Robinson to me, talk about a guy who's really fast. And I think one of the things I like about his speed is he's able to separate because he's got the long stride. I mean, man, when he gets going and flying, you can just see just those larger steps allow him to separate from those defensive backs and he is able to separate a lot each game. He's also really good at faking those short routes, like a quick slant, but then sluggo turns it to slanko. He turns it into a go a uh, quick out route can cut it up the field too. Like he's very good at solving those. So a really crafty route runner too. Um, he's a guy who is really shifty in the open field. I mean, you'll look at it and defenders look like they have him dead to rights. Like there's no way he's going to be able to get out of it. And he'll, cross the guy up like he's a point guard with an elite handle like that's just his ability and how quick his feet move too. and he just gets does a really good job getting in and out of his breaks to really good releases i also think another thing when you talk about him is he fights for every yard after the catch too a couple times guys had him wrapped up and he was able to break out of the tackles and dive in for a touchdown or extend and get the first down too so love seeing that extra effort in the fight in those guys too also makes really good adjustments on the ball there was a number of times watching his film where you can see like a ball is just thrown way behind him and he completely stops his momentum and is able to bring it in or makes a crazy adjustment that leads to him falling to the ground and he's able to get it or just complete turn and stop his momentum and turn around so elite body control too um and yeah i just i've got a good, pretty good size catch radius too so this is a guy I like i think he's got potential to be a wide receiver one when i watch him i'm like this is a guy who if he gets in the right system and obviously he's a fan of coach witted that he could come in here, grow and develop, and then maybe one day he leads this Utah team in receiving yards. Like I, I definitely think that's on the table when you talk about a four-star with this much potential and talent. So I really like that. I, I think the one thing that's exciting about this too is like this could be a guy who comes in with Isaac Wilson and they just continue to kind of grow and play together. Like maybe Wilson doesn't start in 2024. Maybe he does, as I've talked about before. If not, I just feel like him and excuse me, Robinson are going to be hooking up a lot um, in practice and growing that kind of chemistry for eventually when it is Wilson's time, when it's Robinson's time, they'll be ready to go. So Isaac Wilson said before that he wants to recruit, get more explosive, just mentioned how he wants to recruit, like add more guys. And I'm sure this is a guy he's probably slid in the DMs of, if not super recently, like is probably going to before he comes up to Utah, just being like, hey, wouldn't this be fun to like play together? Because yeah, I think that is definitely something that those two could be communicating about. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing I really like just in general, I mentioned, I really like Robinson's game. The thing I really like about his visit time is that it's August 31st. I, I really like that. It's his last visit and it's not until August. And he's going to see those other two schools. So like, he'll be able to sit on them all summer, right? Go up there, 
uh, get a feel for the campus, spend some time, do all that stuff. Like that's, that's all really good too. But to me, I really like that's August 31st because what does that mean? He gets to see a game in Utah. And when you're assessing a game day atmosphere, that's where I think it's really cool. Like, and that's going to be his first impression too. It's going to be the Florida game. It's going to be loud. It's going to be rowdy. And look, as a, when you're a competitor and an athlete, I think these guys want to play in the biggest and brightest stages and all this stuff. And, uh, they want to make memories like it's just places that just make them like you step into stadiums and you're just like, wow. And Rice Eccles stadium has that kind of a power. I mean, I've been lucky enough to go to some of the games over the past few seasons. Like the one that stands out to me, I know everyone talks about the punny, uh, the Covey punt return. That was incredibly loud too. I was up in the press box for that one um, back when I was an intern. So it was, while it's still very loud, the one moment that really sticks to me when you're talking about like just how loud, crazy, and just that special kind of like college football atmosphere is when I go to the USC game and I'm talking about one play and moment in particular when Cam Rising powered in that two-point conversion. Those of you who are at Rice Circle Stadium know what I'm talking about, how loud it got in the venue was, I mean, incredible. It was one of those moments I gave you chills. Like you're just looking around, you're being like this. I'm just glad I'm here right now because this is, it's so cool to be in this moment where everyone else is so overjoyed. Like you just saw such a historic play and something happened like that. And who would not want to play in front of 70,000 screaming fans? Like, especially that diehard and passionate, like they were in the USC game. So if you could get some version of that too, like get them out to a game day, show them how special this can be. This is one of the rare recruitings where fans can make a little bit of an impact to me, right? Like you guys do a great job of supporting these recruits, like messaging, um, not messaging, but just commenting under their posts being like, really like, would love to have you up to Utah. Like you follow them, all that kind of stuff. So the socials love, but this is an opportunity to like show him like how special it is when you come to Utah by just being at the game and just, doing what you guys always do just be loud rowdy and support this team like guys want to go to a place where they have fans and they're supported well i do think that's part of the reason stanford's taking a little bit of a recruiting hit right is because look those game day atmospheres aren't exactly ideal in general like you want to go to somewhere where it's a packed house um night night game or day games but just the house is rocking everyone's fired up to be there it's a it's a packed house once again like that's something that utah could provide so i love that's august 31st and i think robinson especially if we do see this offense be a little bit more explosive too we could see this could be the first week of it which i know they've been talking about that for a while but with some of the weapons they got this year especially on the outside all the receivers they're loading up via the transfer portal this seems like their best chance in a while to really be that more explosive version of this team that we've been hoping to see for a while so i really love that it's august 31st because to me this gives him what like what's it going to be like on game day which is at the end of the day what you go to a school for is to play in the games. Yes, all the other stuff is great too, but at the end, what are you there for? You're there to play football and then kind of do the other stuff along with that, right? What place is going to give you the best environment to do that in and be a part of a position that can, of course, give you success? We know Utah football can provide that. So that's where I just think it's great that they're going to get him up for a visit in in the regard of like, hey, on campus during a game. And obviously too, when we're just, look, just, speaking factually on the other programs, Syracuse and Cal, Utah is clearly the best version of in a better place as a program than those two teams are right now. Now they could get better eventually, but Utah is right now in a better position than them. And look, maybe be just because of how Utah's receiver production isn't as, as potent as maybe some of those schools. Maybe that's why those could be a little bit more appealing for the four star. But as I said, you get them up to Utah, you pitch them on the vision that they have for him in this offense. And I think it could lead to him wanting to be joined this program very quickly when he sees how special of an atmosphere Rice Eccles Stadium can be. So it's going to be fun to watch and see how it all plays out. And speaking of special atmospheres, you know, it was a really special atmosphere. Utah softball and Dumkey family softball was just incredible this past week. I mean, oh my gosh, every time I turned it on my TV, I was just, I, I think I've mentioned this in the pod. Like I have called games at that stadium um, in the regular season back in 2022 and 2021. And, uh, and look, obviously postseason plays different, but just to see the burr or whatever the, the grass area is always called, I always mess it up when I'm talking about ballparks. Um, that full with people 
and just the stands packed. Um, and you, it's on ESPN. Like that was just, it was so cool. I mean, it was awesome. I was so happy for the team. So happy for coach Hogue and so happy for the program. And not just because they got that exposure, um, hosting a super regionals, but because they of course won, look, they lost the first game three to four. We wondered kind of how would the team respond? They were exceptional in the second game on Saturday, one at 10 to one. And then Sunday, how would they do a seven to two victory? It was great to see them go out. I mean, Utah scored those four runs in the bottom of the second. And then look, if San Diego state credit, they fought, right. They scored a run. They were the first ones to score in the top of the second utah responded they scored another run in the top of the fourth so then you're entering the fifth and in the fifth and it's like hey they're still within striking distance and that's when utah really put the game right right the fifth and the sixth they score a combined three runs utah had 11 hits overall in the game sophie Hawkes with two hits abby dayton with two hits Haley Denning had two hits as well. Utah was some big time base running too. They had a situation where on a pitching air where the pitcher was kind of just trying to fumble up and get the ball. You saw two Utes come home, just great base running there. And of course, Mariah Lopez was sensational. I mean, she pitched five innings on, had six strikeouts too. She's been dynamite inside the circle all series long for, um, for this team overall. So just incredible stuff. And what this is a Utah team too, that's headed to the women's college college world series for the first time since 1994, 1994 after toppling San Diego state in those final two games, they're going to, there'll be an Oklahoma city where the women's um, college world series is held. And they're going to take on Washington on Thursday at seven 30. So a little bit of a pac 12 rematch. We'll be talking about that later on the show. We'll have uh, Michelle Bodkin come on and join us on Wednesday's show to preview that matchup. But overall for Utah, this is their sixth, appearance and it goes down as the program's first ever to win in a super regional series the Utes are also 42 and 14 in 2023 their highest winning total since 2000 and the only the fifth time they've ever piled up that many victories and overall today as i mentioned that's 7-2 victory over san diego state just the resilience of this team right all season long they didn't enter the pac-12 tournament as the top seed fought their way in fought oh, excuse me just fought their way each game then was able to win was able to claim victories over Ole Miss in the regionals and the super regionals that get it done against San Diego state after losing the first game. That can be hard to come back from sometimes, right? You lose that momentum at home. You're all amped up, excited going into it. How are you going to respond exceptionally well, the final two games. So, so happy for Amy Hoke. So happy for the squad, her staff, everyone associated with the softball program. Um, so great to see him jump in the pool after some of these victories too, and being able to punch up, just punch their ticket to go to the women's college world series in, in Oklahoma city. So I'm just, I'm really excited for them. I think it's a great opportunity. They deserve it. And this is one of those things when you get to Oklahoma city, like just get there and then let's see what can happen. Right. They weren't supposed to win the PAC 12. No one going into the year thought they would be in this position. And yet here they are. So I'm really excited to see what this group can do. Hats off to them. And we're definitely not done talking about them, but just for now, just congratulations. Um, I know they've been celebrating this is recording this Sunday night. I'm sure they've been celebrating and enjoying it as they absolutely should. Um, what a season, what a performance these two games against San Diego State after dropping the first one, too. So much fun, and uh, go Utes on Wednesday. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how it all plays out, just like it's going to be another fun week on Locked on Utes. we got recruiting news coming up. We'll talk a little bit about softball. Even basketball is doing some things, and we'll react to some of the other news that's going on around about Utah football and going on in the Pac-12 as it pertains to Utah. But that's going to do it for our show today. So thank you guys, as always, for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow on Locked on Utes.